Ladies and gentlemen, the house is now open, and welcome back to another episode of the Reject or Recall podcast, where I always have the dirty deed of deciding whether something should be rejected from the arts industry, or maybe it deserves a recall because it was a bit of a misunderstood performance that it gave. But joining me today is a great friend, a wonderful actress, fantastic singer. Please give it up for my friend, Natalie. Natalie, how are you doing, love? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just talking before now recording, I can't believe it's been five years since the last time I actually saw your face. It is crazy. I feel like with time, it feels like I've blinked and we're here, but at the same time, it feels like it's been forever. It's a weird thing, isn't it? You just have that sort of connection with people. Like, literally, you can go, like, for years or whatever and just not speak to each other. But then as soon as you get on the phone or in this case zoom it's just like nothing changed exactly exactly i just remember the little tray in that little farmhouse we were in it was like a tray the shortbread biscuits and then oh god it was when you said great. farmhouse i'm like which one because <laughs> we, <were in, laughs> we were in a few different um... you got a fair point there were more farmhouses than luxury mansions shall we say i quite liked you know when we packed our bags and went in a way i was like oh i've just got settled in this place and then we were off again but it was nice to sort of keep it fresh in that sort of excitement of a new (laughs) new accommodation (laughs) and seeing how big the uh, the fridge was (laughs) but that is the life of touring theater isn't it some fridge freezers were massive and we could all have our like our own shelves and some were absolutely tiny so it was like you had to buy just for that day really yeah. You can't buy a million frozen pizzas and stick them in the, the freezer because there was enough for, like, one pizza in there. Yeah, that was always a big thing, especially when you're in a team of four people and you're like, yeah, let's do a weekly shop. Everyone buys their own stuff. It's like, can we fit that in? We don't actually need that, but it's like a massive cheesecake. And I'm just like, yeah, I think we'll need that later on. That was one thing <laughs> I always used to check out was the size of the fridge freezer and also, like, the shower pressure. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes it would just like be a dribble on you and that used to depress me. Oh, I I can't remember where it was. I think it was somewhere in Exeter we were staying and then literally it was just like the shower when we first got there. There was no pressure whatsoever. It was just like, switch it on, boiling hot shower. It's like, (laughs) oh, thanks Exeter. You are brilliant. Trying to figure out all the different showers is always a task, isn't it? I'm surprised there wasn't one accommodation we had to go to. It's like, right, we got to get some coal for this furnace now to heat up the shower. I'm just like, Natalie, it's your turn. No, Scott, it's your turn. Oh, all right, then fine. You, you've been Cinderella for the whole week, so I guess i got to do all the housework <laughs> now. Oh, good times, good times. Me and Natalie have worked together on a pantomime, which was Cinderella. And what an experience that was. How long was that tour again, Natalie? Can you remember? Oh, Lord, I don't know. It just blended into one. It was good. Somebody might want to chuck in as a pet peeve on the show at some point. But when you're in a touring production, especially when you're going into schools... A lot of actors seem to have a grudge with dinner ladies because they just try and force you out of the bloody oh building. Oh, God. Well, I remember because I was setting up the sound and laying out the wires and stuff. And for mm. a health and safety risk assessment, we had to tape the wires down with gaffer so it wasn't like a trip hazard. And then, yeah. oh, the the dinner ladies that just... I mean, obviously, I understand their point of view as well. They're like, it's dinner time now. We need to 
put all the tables out and stuff. But when they thought they were helping and they were just ripping up the wires and the gaffer tape would like wrap itself around these wires and I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God. Because then it was my job at the end of the day to bring them in and try and get this gaffer tape that had like glued itself around the wires and any sticky residue as well. I had to get that off and it was just a nightmare. I still remember there were some days where we had some of the kids who were coming in for dinner or even the kids who would watch the show. It's like, can I help you put anything away? I'm like, oh, that's so lovely of you. But let's just leave it to the people who kind of know what they're doing. It was when, like, we're getting towards the end of the show and you could see the dinner ladies just stood at the back of the hall, like, waiting to pounce on you. (laughs) They'd all just appear at the back of the hall waiting and giving you glares. If you're Uh, not out in five minutes, it's like, yeah, let me just push this button so the entire set can just go down into a suitcase. Yeah, great. Thanks, love. I mean, we got our exercise in, didn't we? With, like, carrying stuff and running to and from the van. And when you went to a school and they were like, okay, you're on the third floor and there was no lift. (laughs) I remember saying to Chad, Chad, who was the actor playing Prince Charming and one of the ugly sisters in the show for our listeners here, there was a school where... Emily, our tour manager, basically said to us, like, right, this one has a set of stairs that we have to go up in order to get to the performance venue. And I remember there was a really difficult venue where I was on the Alice in Wonderland production before we did Cinderella. And I just remember it being so hard to get everything up. And I'm just like, please don't let it be that school. Please don't let it be that school. And it was the same school. I'm like... <sighs> it's when you're trying to carry a flat and like, oh, it just... Yeah. I was calling you Hercules by the end of that one. You were lifting all those flats by the end of it. I was ripped. (laughs) (laughs) I got ripped. (laughs) I have a six pack. I just prefer to keep mine warm. Exactly. (laughs) This is a quick round, Natalie, of would you rather. So I'm going to say two things. I'm such a bad decision maker. I will mull over decisions. But okay, so the the (laughs) trick is not to think about it. Just say the first one you'd rather. Okay. Right, question one. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Winter or summer? Winter. Big city or countryside? Countryside. Good choice. Plays or musicals? Oh, this one or I flip between the two. I can't really decide. (laughs) I'll go through phases of loving like musicals and then I'm like, oh no. I'm bloody sick of all the jazz hands at this (laughs) point. It changes quite regularly, that one, so I don't think I can make a choice. This one, chocolate or cake? Ah, can I not have chocolate cake? <laughs> Probably chocolate. Well, to be honest, I'm, I would gen, I would take a packet of crisps over either any day. I'm quite a savoury girl. Oh, there we are then. I'll add that in for the next episode. Make a note of that. Natalie recommends crisps over sweet. <laughs> okay, and last one, Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart? make me choose you cannot make me choose between those (laughs) legends no i refuse someone on protest today natalie refuses to choose between the two i love them both so much all right then i'll change it up for you lord of the rings or star trek oh no why are you doing this to me (laughs) this is so hard we're not even in the meaty part of this podcast yet I love Lord of the Rings, but I also have such a soft spot for Picard. Right now, if you, what would you rather chuck in the DVD and just like watch right now? 
a Lord of the Rings because I have actually been thinking about watching Lord of the Rings again. Me and my brother, it was in the middle of the pandemic where restrictions were lifted slightly and they were playing mm. um, past films at the cinema. Ooh. So me yeah, and my brother, we went to watch The Fellowship at the cinema it was so good to see it on the big screen and ever since then i've been like okay we have to watch the trilogy now it's just it's got to be done so lord of the rings is on my mind at the minute but it was so good Good choice it was like i picked up on things that i hadn't noticed before and just the experience Mm. of seeing it it was big it was immense it was so good but it's like that the more times you watch anything like literally i love my films and i was can't remember what it was i was watching the other day but um i remember watching it and i'm thinking oh i didn't notice that actor doing it was just like it could be something as small action as just like moving something to the side or i don't know like you might notice a little film mistake i was just like that guy is wearing a rolex in a medieval film Oh, I love doing stuff like that. Our oh, continuity errors. I bloody love spotting them. I'm like, did you know that yeah. that extra was wearing a blue t-shirt and now it's a red one? <laughs> one of the actors from Peep Show, he did a show where he, it was dedicated to spotting the film mistakes and TV and all that. Wasn't it something like the greatest film mistakes or something like that? The amount of like extras, though, in the background that do- were doing stupid shit is just great. <laughs> oh, you just remind me of actors doing stupid shit as an extra. I'll, slightly off topic, but I was filming a TV show called Gwaith Catref, which was a school-based soap drama on S4C. Me and my friend at the time, we were just playing school kids, and we were just told, right, I want- we want you to travel from this part of the corridor up to the other end. And so we thought chances are we're not going to be on screen anyway and then we just did like the shuffle like um, with our feet just like as if we were mc hammer going up the bloody <laughs> up the blimmin all and the funniest bit about it it made the cut it cut. made the cut <laughs> so it's only for like a second but it pans so you could just see us just like best extras job i've ever done We're going to get into the main portion of the show now. Natalie, I'm sure you have a lot of things that do rub you the wrong way because, like, you've been a part of stage, film, singing gigs, loads of different aspects of performance. Yeah, there's a lot to choose from. (laughs) You're asking me to narrow it down to three. (laughs) I know. I I was going to say, like, well, going back to Lord of the Rings, I wonder if we could make this episode the same length as all three extended cuts. I'm sure it would be doable. We could chat forever, (laughs) couldn't we? (laughs) The Reject or Recall podcast has been extended because this audition seems to be a soliloquy. (laughs) Natalie, without further ado, we are on our own audition panel today. So what is the first thing that is auditioning for us today and why are you rejecting it from the industry? Um, Okay, I'm going to start with theatre superstitions. Ooh, okay. By that, I mean, you know, like, you can't, you have to call Macbeth the Scottish play. Um, <laughs> like, you can't whistle in a theatre. This so, like, there's so many. Um, Wait, what? That, that, that's a thing. You can't whistle in a theatre. Some people just completely reject it, but there's, it's, okay, it's the people that take those suspicions so seriously. Like, I've yeah. been, I've been in plays with, with people before and, like, they really slam down on you if you, if you do it because they think it's, like, bad luck or, I'm trying to think of more. 
Like, whistling is definitely one. Although the only thing I can back up on that, Natalie, is I, I, I do totally agree with you. But as an actor who has referred to the Scottish play as Macbeth, why am I bald so young? <laughs> there's, there's, it's linked. It's definitely linked, Scott. <laughs> Either that or Shakespeare was looking down from heaven. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to curse this bastard. No, I'm no. going to curse you. But that's, but it's, it's the actors that genuinely believe you cursed the show. I've had, I've worked with people like that, and it's, it's crazy. Or when I was, um, like before I trained, and I was doing sort of amateur dramatics. It was more rife in amateur dramatics, I think. Um, yeah. I remember one, like, one company that I was with was like, oh, you have to take your makeup off after the show before you go and see your family and friends because it's bad oh. luck. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. I think that's just you wanting us to take our makeup off and you've just made it up. <laughs> I know there's the whole tradition. It's like, oh, you can't go out in your costume after the show or everything. Like, I know directors who frown upon that and i can understand why because like it's sort of like breaking the illusion for you but that you've completely taken the words out of my mouth you've created that illusion haven't you in that world and just to sort of rock up in your your character's attire would just completely smash that illusion unless like you know you're playing a cat or whatever um i don't really see a problem with makeup i don't know I'm going off on a tangent now. No, 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 this is good. Like, but the overall point is like, there are like the sort of gatekeepers in terms of like these cursed traditions or things like that. And it's, it really doesn't add anything like, yeah, okay, you can believe in those superstitions if you want, but don't frown upon people if they, it's like, oh, excuse me for referring to Macbeth, the guy who's named after the bloody play. Literally. I'm sure there's more, but I can't, I can't think of them off the top of my head. Some people will throw out, the show didn't sell that well, or the audience wasn't that responsive, and they put it down to, oh, it's the curse of this theatre, or oh, it's like... Yeah. I mean, it'd be a good way to get away with stuff, wouldn't it? It's like, oh, I didn't learn my lines because I'm cursed. I touched the cursed version of the script. I couldn't um, pick it up or learn my lines. I'm sorry. Every time I went to touch it, my hand just burnt like in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Maybe it's not the it's not the theatre superstitions. It's the people that take them very literally. I would say that's something that could definitely be rejected from the industry because not only is it just to the point where they sound ridiculous, but it's also to the point where it brings the atmosphere down in the cast. I don't know if um, that's how you feel about it. It does sometimes when people are just being too serious about something. I'm like, are you for real? Like, you genuinely, genuinely believe this. But I suppose you have to respect what people believe. But yeah. I mean, it's 2021. You can't say anything. Otherwise, you'll get cancelled. Maybe this episode went out halfway and then we just got pulled from, like, Podbean or whatever because I, I'm offended by this. You don't respect my superstitions. It's like, well, I'm sorry. I don't respect much at all. So <laughs> I can't really think of any reason to give this a recall because the people who just, like, try and throw this into the mix, it just brings everything down. So, Natalie, without further ado... The people who try and gatekeep, for example, these superstitions and all these evil curses are rejected from the industry. They're getting out of our audition room and they're going down the trapdoor. Ah!
We are one for one on the Reject or Recall podcast. Now, there are many more auditions to get through. So, Natalie, who has given a very bad performance or what has given a bad performance that you want to reject it from the industry today? Okay, well, you might have already got this one and you probably will in the future as well. This is to do with audiences and mobile phones. It's a biggie. Like, and this is from the point of view of a performer on stage and the point of view of an audience member watching something. When someone is on their mobile phone and it's really freaking bright or they, I've been to a gig before where they were videoing with their torch on and the singer stopped and was like, yeah, it was like, can you, can you like, stop recording if you want to record get up and go to the side and turn your torch off it's just ridiculous like people have no awareness no respect and a bit and how distracting that must have been to be on stage and have this torch in your face you know unless there are shows that like invite you to record i went to watch six the the finale they're like we invite you to record this if you want so it gives people the opportunity to do so. But when that's the case, I'm obviously I'm fine with it. But mm. oh, when people are trying to sneaky record or they're just replying to text messages and that, and, well, it wouldn't matter if the screen was uh, not, you know, if it was even on the darkest setting. If it was getting it's, done, for example. It still doesn't matter because one, I think it's rude and distracting. And yeah, when you're in darkness, it doesn't matter. As soon as there's a light, you're there, aren't you? It takes your attention people that actually try and have a, a phone call. I've been sat behind someone who like took a call in the middle of a musical and they were like trying to be muffled. And I was like, what? Just leave, what? just leave the venue. Yeah, if it's really that, you know, immediate that you need to speak to someone and uh, you know, obviously I don't know the circumstance, but I don't believe it was that immediate. <laughs> then you can get up off your seat and leave. I just don't understand that there are people like that. I really don't. I have been biting my tongue and gritting my teeth as you've been saying all of this because I work as an usher for a theatre, obviously, before the pandemic happened. I could do a whole episode on this and it will probably last forever. I find it disrespectful when people, like like you say, there are some instances where the shows allow you to take photos, take videos and all yeah, that. Yeah, there's that announcement and you're invited to be able to, you know, participate. And, and in a way, you know, it possibly is done to take away people trying to record because they know they'll get the opportunity to do so and take a bit of the show mm. home. And it maybe you know, people feel more engaged with it. And yeah, it's, you know, if if that is the case, then obviously that is fine because they've been told you're allowed to do this and the performers are aware that it's going to happen. But if you're trying to do it sneaky or, you know, just text it, I don't know. I just do not understand it. You've spent money to go and see a show. And if anything, you spend that money, it should be exclusive to you. Yes. My mentality is this. If you're paying so much money to go and see a live performance, whether it's a gig, a play, a musical, or whatsoever, you want to watch it with your own eyes? And everyone's mentality is like, oh, if I've got it on video and I record it, I can go back to it. But you would stay at home and watch a live stream or something or watch the film version of that musical. I'm like, why 
are you doing this right now? I've had instances like um, what you were saying about the singer who stopped and said, please stop recording. I was working the Drifters. They came to Swansea or whatever members were left and like some of like the family of like the other members that weren't present. And the main man stopped and he was just like, look, I know you want to have a good time, but please stop filming. But people still carried on and literally it was like a swarm of like lights in the audience. And I went up to one guy all I said to him, excuse me, sir. And then he literally just shouted out at me. I was like, I'm taking a fucking photo. I'm like, you're not allowed to take photos or video, sir. And he says, oh, what, you're going to chuck me out? And I had no power to do that. And I'm just thinking, what's the point in enforcing these rules if you can't do anything about yeah. it? Yeah, it is ridiculous, isn't it? And, you know, in a way, I think with live music and singing gigs, it's even worse because... You know, you mentioned at the Drifters, it was like a sea of phones. Yeah. It happens so much more, I think, with like singers or bands. At the theatre, you're not supposed to do it. But, you know, if you're, you've gone, you go to a gig, I think it's more accepted. But I've been to see singers or, I mean, the last thing I can think of is I went to see a drag show. There was just a sea of mobiles in front of me and they were holding that the mobiles above their heads to the point where I couldn't actually see the stage. And I ended up having to watch the show through someone's like mobile screen because they <sighs> and it's like it's so it's very very selfish i think when it gets to that point i i but then again it's how do you how do you uh, monitor it it's like it wasn't didn't kate when kate bush did her um latest gig because i mean i think she wasn't going to mm. gig forever and then she said you know i'm doing this gig and she said no mobiles allowed i'm willing to bet someone will have recorded well more than one person will have recorded oh there's instances where like people people just don't care they think because they own a phone or whatever like they're entitled and the rules don't apply to them and i've gone to see i've gone to see shows i was watching ian McKellen's one man performance when he came to swansea i by the way it was fucking fantastic one of the best things i've seen in ages. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> but literally, I was in the audience and there was a girl trying to film on her phone. And they said at the start, please, no photos or videos. So Anusha came up to her and said, uh, can you stop recording, please? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tried, like, slyly shif shifting herself and to still record. And I could see her. And I'm just like... I and my mate's like, he taps him on the shoulder. It's like, you're not working. You're not working. I know, but it's distracting me. It doesn't matter if I'm working or whether I'm an audience member. It's distracting. So if I'm getting uh, infuriated by that, imagine how somebody like in the stalls, like not the stalls, the upper circle or whatever, they see this little light. It and really like, is distracting. I, oh, I can't. I can't deal with it at all. <laughs> You're paying for that experience. And to me, it is to experience it live. And yeah. in a way to um, suspend reality for a bit. So if you can't live away from your phone for how, like a couple of hours, then what are you doing? And it's like you said as well, what are these people doing it for to put a recording online that's really shitty quality and... What like I don't I just don't understand I don't get it at all I could go oh on same here like literally the, like I said the stories I could tell you about people filming and taking photos in a theater is just baffling the only time I can 
justify it and like i'm not going to give it a recall at all because i think it should be abolished but the only time it has ever been a thing where i've questioned it i was working in the upper circle of the theater i work in and there was a boy he must have been about like seven or eight and he was on his phone the light was quite bright and it was gleaming to the back of the auditorium and i was thinking right okay he's not taking photos or videos so I don't know if I should leave it, but then an audience member came up to me and said, oh, that phone's really distracting. Can you have a word? And so I spoke to the mother and I said, oh, we just had a complaint about the phone. Would you mind turning the brightness down? And a couple of minutes later, she's dragging the child out, kicking and screaming. And it turns out this boy had autism. See, there's always an exception to the rule because yeah, because in, in that respect, you know, I would have treated that situation differently because... Someone with autism to be at a theatre as well. Um, I mean, yeah. I know I know that they have um, relaxed performances. Relaxed performances. That's and I went to a relaxed performance once, and it was actually mm. really good. The way that they like they described each character to be, they, they had so many things in place that would just make it such a better atmosphere. I have two cousins that are autistic, and for me, I was like, this would have been fabulous, it would be fabulous for them, because they got sent like a pack being like, this is a theatre, and this is beforehand, and I just Aww. thought, for, for a family with autistic children to have that sort of experience is so important, and theatre should be for everyone. So for him to be at the theatre at a non-relaxed performance, if he felt comfortable being on his phone, you know, I think mm-hmm. there should have been a a conversation had. Like, the, the mother shouldn't have just dragged him out. Like, that's not... She came up to me and apologised. I didn't even know that he had autism. And it's so hard to say because, like, obviously it's not a physical disability. You can't always judge it. So literally, I turned to her and I just said... Because it was a panto, like, I don't know, there were so many performances throughout, like, two months. There was loads of empty seats. So I just said, that's absolutely fine then. But what I could I suggest that if you sit in, like, one of the empty rows where there's no people behind you, so he could still be on his phone, she could still see the show, and then it wouldn't distract anyone so everybody's happy. If there was a way of managing the situation where it wasn't distracting anyone, um, and like you said, if you put them with no one behind them then he can carry on doing what he wants. As long as he felt comfortable, you know. It's it is there's always an exception to the rule and it's mm. so it's so difficult. One rule never applies to all. Exactly. I personally think they need to do more relaxed performances. I 100% agree because the, the performance that I would see it was at the Royal Exchange. It was a last minute thing. I was just in Manchester and I was like I want to see some theater. I just walked in I was like what's on what's on today? And it was something called the ghost train. And she 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 like warned me and was like, just to let you know, it is a relaxed performance. And I was like, that's fine. Because actually, theater's it didn't... Theatre's theatre. And it didn't detract, like it didn't detract away from my experience at all. You know, mm. um, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And it was even nicer to see families and like the parents were relaxed they were feeling relaxed as well and they weren't on tender hooks and you know and the the actors were wonderful as well it was just so yeah they 100% need to do more of them I, I really believe that um 
It was, yeah, I cannot praise it enough. It was so good. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I have Asperger's syndrome myself, as you um, are well aware of. And, like, growing up, I would have loved something mm-hmm. like a relaxed performance in a theatre to go and see a show and all that. Like, I did still go to see, like, the Pantos and all that, but there were moments where I was getting a bit wound up and I was just like, I don't want to say anything, but to have that now is brilliant. Any sort of really loud sound effects... They just didn't make as loud. I mean, they don't need to be that loud either. You know, I quite, I quite liked it. <laughs> Being like, um, but yeah, I just think it really needs to be uh, pushed that more relaxed performances happen because, like you say, for you as a child, that would have just been amazing for you. Yeah, needs to happen. That's my final thing. <laughs> relaxed performances definitely deserve to be recalled and they should be loads more performances should be put in place for people with special needs and all that but going back onto the point with um recording and phones and everything there's just no reason for it i personally think if you paid to see a live performance in a theater it should be for the audience's eyes only doesn't matter about anybody on social media like you say people just need to get off their phones I know, just in general as well. I mean, it's very difficult because, you know, I'm preaching this, but the past couple of days, I haven't been off my phone, you know, and that's Mm. my own fault because part of it is just getting sucked into the social media side of things, especially at the minute where you feel like you've got nothing else to do. But then... Exactly. A lot of my, like, as a performer as well, your work, again, especially at the minute, is all online. Everything is happening online. You can put things out online and it's just, it's very difficult, but so important to have that time away from your phone. But again, this isn't the point of us trying to reject technology or like phones at all. This is the use of mobiles, recording, and any other form of that involves your phone during a performance. Hell, during a matinee, fine. Record the stage, take photos, whatever you want. But when the actors or performers are on stage applying their craft and people have paid money for it, you need to be respectful of that. And it's just not being enforced either. Like, And also, one thing I absolutely hate is, like, still on this point before we get into your third point that you want to reject, is I was working a kid's show and they said, would all adults please turn off their mobile phones and no photos or videos during the performance? But apart from that, enjoy and I shit you not, the house lights hadn't even fully dimmed. And this woman whaps out her phone trying to record. I literally... Ah! What? No I went up to her and I just said, Madam, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. There was just an announcement, love. There was just an announcement. (laughs) And you totally have just decided to disregard it completely. At that point, it's happened so many times. I was working so many shows that week. I thought to myself, I don't care. I'm just, I'm telling you as it is. This is it. This and is it's it. Peppa Bloody Pig on stage, so it's not, <laughs> nothing um, worth being. Not an easy job. Yeah, it's definitely getting its own episode. Um, this one, experiences of ushers rejected or recalled. I mean, that in itself, like your experiences as an usher, I bet you have some stories to tell. Like, But the <sighs> people, like the general public... Like you said about that guy that you, mm. you know, try... They, they just think it's their right and they don't see a problem with it. And it, it it's just... Oh, There's no yeah. ifs or buts about it. 
the use of mobile phones or cameras in a theatre, auditorium, during a show is getting rejected and it's going deep down in the basement of the theatre. So, open that trap door. <laughs> We've got another audition in the room. What is it and why are you going to reject it from the business? Why does it infuriate you so much? Okay, so this is kind of like a bit more personal and like thinking inwards. And go on. in all honesty, I don't think it's ever going to go away because it is just part of being a human being. But mm-hmm. comparing yourself to other people and performers and their performances, their way of working where they are in their career and like Mm. i said i don't you know i don't believe that's ever gonna be eradicated because it is part of being a human Mm. but there's so many times where you doubt yourself and that self-doubt it limits you and what what you can do and once you start doubting yourself and because when you are performing you've got to be in the moment and as soon as you're out of yourself, if that makes sense, as soon as that doubt starts creeping in, it's like a niggle at the back of your mind and you're like, well, I'm shit, you know? And that happens when you're watching other people perform and we, we just, we focus on the negatives. Again, as human beings, we're sort of drawn towards the negatives much more than the positives. And I guess, you know, that does link back to, it can link back to social media and what people post is what they want you to see. And But you you know all this, but you can still be affected by it. And I just think, in all honesty, it doesn't help you as a performer to start that comparison. Um, but it happens a lot. I know, you know, I do it a lot. Again, there are points I do completely agree with you on that. It's like, I know loads of performers who have literally said to me, it's like, I might actually give it all up. It's like, why? Why? What's going on with you? This person's like got way more gigs than I have, or I did a performance and somebody said, oh, it wasn't that great compared to what they saw before. I may sound like a hypocrite in a moment, but comparison can be the biggest cancer for anyone in performing arts or the industry or any field of life it's not just specific to performance is it it is you know in all walks of life there's a lot of comparing that goes on in fact every performer that i speak to feel that they've done this at some point so yeah but i just don't know if it i mean in some respects watching other people's work and getting inspired by it and you know, getting things that you like and techniques and it's part of learning because we're always learning as performers and we were always learning our craft. So that's good that, you know, you have other people that you can talk to and watch and get the good things from. But a lot of the time you can, if you're in a certain mindset, you feed your own negative mindset and then you get stuck in this way of thinking and it's just not good. It's just not good. <laughs> I, I think the worst place for that is in a drama college or university, just in the sense where you see so many, like, obviously I don't know what the situation is with drama schools and all that, how they do things, because, like, it's not, there's not much of an academic area to it. It's more practical. But especially in university, I remember there was one show I did, and I thought... I did it really well to the best of my ability. But then I had the grade that reflected that. 
and it was quite low and there was a lot of uh, things so that another were... thing is like grades because obviously you know a lot of it's practical but i think with any artistic subject because i got that with art a lot and to me yeah the whole point of art is that it's whatever you make exactly it. it's like trying to compare like a shakespearean play that's um so beautifully written and then compare it with an absurdist piece that has maybe no dialogue but is just so out there and you're trying to compare it for the same reason so it's like yeah, saying, against the same bullet points and it just can't, it just can't be done exactly but they're both forms of art and entertainment so they're subjective to the audience that want to watch it as a course the tutors have boxes to tick and mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it's i would i would find it so difficult to grade someone's piece of art or someone's performance because at the end of the day, it is all so subjective. It's very difficult. It's expressive and it's very subjective. How many times have you had this conversation with someone? Like, say now you've watched a film that you thought was absolutely fantastic, but it's been panned by critics or panned by someone else. and But you think, okay, that's your opinion. You're entitled to that. But why should I feel like I can't enjoy that piece? That happens a lot, I think, with films. Like, a lot of the time, what the critics think and what the general public think can be contrasting. It's difficult. Like, I've had conversations even with my mate. I'm like, oh, my God, this is just the best thing ever. And they're like, nah, not feeling it. And I don't understand. I'm just like, okay, well, what? (laughs) Well, I liked it. (laughs) I liked it. So it's difficult as well because leading on from the whole be- it being subjective and people are influenced by so many different things so it could even be that the person marking your performance that day had had a really bad morning and was just not feeling yeah. as not feeling as generous with his marking you know we take it as a especially in training like you say we take it as a a reflection of ourselves as as you do you know if you're graded on something and you you mm. fail or whatever. I'm glad this is a point that you brought up because like it applies to every single person in life it doesn't just apply to the arts and I was on a podcast with one of my friends the other day and we were the whole concept was talking about how there's this overwhelming pressure to be at a certain point in your life god yeah I brought up the point is this is why I think the school system especially from an early age is a very flawed system because what are you taught? You're taught to learn a certain way, do things a certain way, and you are told that your GCSEs are the most important thing in your life. And I walked away from my comprehensive school or high school for any English listeners here. I walked away with only five or six GCSEs and the majority of those were creative. So performing arts, art, drama, and believe it or not, short course Welsh. So yeah, I don't know how I managed that. Then you see all these other people who are getting like A's, B's and in science, maths and all that. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, they've got high grades, but that doesn't guarantee anything. Especially with um, GCSEs, like you say, there was so much pressure put on you. Like it was the, 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 the most important thing ever. But actually, mm. I don't think I've ever been asked about my GCC grades ever. I mean, I think I had to get like a certain number of points to get into the college, to get yep. into college, but but past that, they've not been relevant to my life at all. <laughs> exactly. It was the same with me with university. And 
I like the fact, especially in a drama school setting or like a acting university or whatever, like the course for drama or whatever, you have to go through an audition process. It's great in the sense that it sets you up for what the actual business can be like. And you're not going to get every single thing you go for. Like, trust me, how many auditions have you been to, Natalie? And like, I can tell you the auditions I've been to, I haven't got every single job yes, that I've gone for. Yeah. You, do, you don't. Um, no. That's just part of it. Like, you, you, you don't get the part a lot more often than you do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've worded that right. Yeah. Oh, no, of course. Like, it could be the sense, like, you or me go into an audition and we give probably one of the best performances of our lives and the audition panel actually admits that. But they say, we're not going with you because we want someone with a different colour hair or different colour beards or whatever, or different length or something like that. It could be just one little it detail. It could be anything. It could be the fact that they've already cast the role of your mother and you don't look like that actress enough exactly. to be to warrant being family. You know, it, it could yeah. be things that are completely out of your control, but you will always think that it's something to do with your performance. <laughs> You know, like I've heard some stories about um, drama college auditions that they're not actually auditioning you for the course. They're actually auditioning you for the third year that you would be in if you got in. So like they've already they kind of already know what show they're doing. So they're casting for that. I don't know if that's true. This might just be a myth or a superstition. I've never heard of that, and I've never thought, even thought about that being a possibility. But I suppose if they do have a show in mind, then in the back of their mind, they would be thinking about that. I mean, you would be casting it as if you were casting a show. Yeah, that's really interesting. Maybe it's something to think about. This could be absolute bollocks I'm spouting now, or like some conspiracy theory someone's come up with. But I have heard this story. It could be true. Maybe it's not. A lot of me wants to say I want to reject it from the business. But. Yeah, but, and I never thought I'd say this because, and I don't want to seem like a massive hypocrite on this, I'm more leaning towards the part of recalling the comparison, but for the positive points. Like like I say on this show, the whole point of a recall is not like so it sticks so that we can think about it in another field and if you feel the same later. In a positive way, it helps you grow. And like I said, the only reason I'm leaning more towards recalling this is because comparison can be beneficial if you think about it in the right way. I'll give you an example outside of acting, but it's also related to performance, is I'm training as a pro wrestler and I've done a few shows. It's something completely out there, but still... Choreographed and predetermined. The thing is, with professional wrestling, like what we were saying about art... There is so many elements of it that is subjective to your personal taste. Like your someone's personal taste might be they like seeing predetermined, choreographed, flippy shit as what in what the, 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 the technical term being flippy shit. Flippy shit is a term that is used in the wrestling business a lot. I literally I could throw all these sort of things. So like literally you could watch some matches that look more like Japanese anime fight scene because of how acrobatic these performers are or there's like some versions of wrestling where they literally just go out there and hit the shit out of each other because like they want to make it look as realistic as possible so it's no flashy stuff literally just batter each other some people like violent stuff some people like literally comedy wrestling is amazing and no word of a lie like i feel like i'm going off topic but just so to put a picture in your head there is a guy called orange cassidy in a mainstream wrestling promotion 
basically wears all denim and his whole persona is that he is the lazy wrestler. So he goes out and basically blags his way through it, hands in pocket, and instead of like a full force kick, it is literally the softest tap <laughs> you will ever see. I will send you a matching messenger later just so you yes. can see what I'm on about. But some people think, oh my God, that's absolute garbage. But then other people absolutely love it. And the reason I bring it up is because, like we said, there's so many different elements to take away and people can enjoy what they want. Exactly. But the point I was trying to make is that there's all of this different styles of wrestling that you may not necessarily be able to do the things that some people who can do all these flips or whatever. But I'm not going to put myself down about it in terms of comparing because they've got their own version and I've got my version. Yeah, there's always different ways of looking at things and this is why i saved this one to last because i thought this will be the one that we will struggle with most about whether to reject or recall it because there are there's so much to think about and with all the negative aspects of it there can be some really positive things that come out of it as well so it's yeah it is a very difficult one to think about and i think it's you know, with with what you've just said, it's definitely like looking at yourself and learning and knowing yourself for the things that you can do and accepting that there are some things that you can't do. Um, yeah. But that it doesn't make you any less of a person or a performer. It just means that you're good at some things and not <laughs> others. That's how everyone is. Because, you know, they might be a wrestler that it does have that sort of dominating presence, but he can't Mm. do something that you can do. There are guys out there who are like over 500 pounds and can do like backflips and all that. And like, okay, awesome, whatever. But just because they can do that doesn't mean I'm any less of a performer. It's like when I was at uni, I used to, there was a lot of emphasis, especially in my year group. This happens um, a lot in musical theatre as well, I think, especially modern musical theatre, that being able to belt and riff is what makes you a good singer. And I'm like, that is amazing and you are amazing, but it doesn't mean that such a body, such a body who maybe does things a bit more understated and in more of a spoken tone, doesn't mean that they can't sing. It's just different. You wouldn't watch somebody like Indina Menzel and compare her to the way that Judy Dench sings, for example. There's loads of different ways of doing it. Like, some people are more character-driven through their p- songs. Some people are more bell canto or elongated notes or belting out everything. And I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. And But there's something for everyone. And both are just as important and it doesn't make one person better than another and I think that's a really good way of thinking about it and you know you can be inspired by people and you can you know if there's something that you really want to learn you can put in that work to do it but it's a strange one to think about because there's so many different ways of looking at it I think. Like you say it all depends on the side of the coin that you are looking at it from. To conclude this entry for the Rejector Recall podcast, I'm going to give it a recall simply because comparison can be healthy depending on the way you look at it. If you are looking at it with a from a healthy perspective, then it can be good. Instead of looking at somebody like we were saying, like you go on social media and they've got like all these acting gigs 
And then instead of comparing yourself, oh, I should be there, ask yourself the question, what can I do to get to that point? Absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head because the type of person that just goes, oh, woe is me, I'm shit, there, there, there's nothing mm-hmm. I can do about it. It's that question of, well, okay, how do I get there? What can I do? It's such a good way of looking at it rather than just being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to bother. I don't want to reject the comparison altogether because I think that can be, like the points that you and I have brought up, it can be healthy for you to take things from certain people. One of my best friends who I've worked with in both film and pro wrestling, he works in the backstage element of it. He told me the best way to create a character is taking 10 other characters and taking little bits and merging it to make one brand new character. So that's the best way I want people to look at this. A lot of the time, I think that is what we do, even as people. It's like, okay, you take different aspects of others that you have seen and make them like a facet of your own performance or your own persona or person. You just take all of the positives and things you like and then smush them all together and create your own, don't you? For the first time on the Reject or Recall podcast, I am going to give... The comparing yourself to others a recall, but as long as it's for the healthy way. And if you're not doing it in a healthy way, then in the recall, it can be rejected later. So think of that what you will. Like I said, a recall doesn't mean it's definitely staying in the business, but it could be rejected later on, depending on how you feel about it. I agree. I think that's very good. Um, It's very good. What's the word I'm thinking of? It's good, yeah. As long as it's good, it's good. Natalie, it is lovely having you on. And because I haven't seen you in five years and I just miss seeing your face and being able to talk to you, what is a fourth thing as your encore that you would like to reject from the industry? Well, the other thing that I was thinking of when I was coming up with my three, stage makeup. But again, okay. I I think there are positives and negatives to this because obviously it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about taking all your makeup off. And so if, you know, it, it can add to the character that you're creating. Um, so in that respect, you know, I think it's good. Say if you're, I don't know, if you're playing a chicken or something <laughs> and you like put a face paint is adding to the role and the character. and You just walk out after the show just with your beak still. With your big beak on. But I mean, like, I think that that stuff is great and, um, and it does have a place. And I mean, I've been experimenting with using makeup as a form of art over lockdown um just something to keep myself occupied with the kind of stage makeup that i'm talking about is when i was dancing i was only little i have this memory of walking out of my dressing room i'd had one of the mums do my stage makeup i had two french plaits like glued to my head and then i caught i caught myself in the mirror and i was like orange and i know like with the stage lights you need to have a bit more color and but this was something else like i had such a line on my neck i was white and then orange i had bright blue eyeshadow right up to my eyebrows just the pinkest cheeks and big red lips and i was like what do i look like and like i said i know for the stage lights and stuff it was needed however 
I couldn't get it off at the end. My, my eyelids were stained blue and I had really sensitive skin. I still do have quite sensitive skin, but especially when I was a kid. Um, and it just wreaked havoc with my skin completely. So when it was like showtime, oh, I had the worst skin ever underneath that. Um, so like I said, you know, stage makeup, I think for some, like, you know, if you went to see cats and they didn't have the cat makeup on, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't be the same. But in that circumstances, because like you're trying to convey a different form of character than like something as normal as like just, I don't know, playing a housewife or it's something in a suburban setting in a drama. I do understand there's that element of the stage lights. But it was just that memory I had of catching myself when I was like, this has been slapped on my face and it was just awful. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to back you up on this one and just say like how, especially what you were saying about like the skin condition and everything like that, how it does have massive flare ups. Going back to wrestling, I never thought I'd ever do this in my life. But before every show, they want you to apply fake tan. Really? Oh my goodness. Yes. So literally in photos from shows, it may not be obvious, but literally when you're in the dressing room and all that and you're changing, you look like a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's the reason behind that though? Why? What is there a reason for it? There's a couple. One is basically like it makes you look less pale on photos and video. Like when you're obviously having matches sent out. A lot of big-time wrestlers do it as if they're doing it for TV and all that because, like, obviously, they don't want to look, like, white as a sheet. Yeah. But they also say, like, fake tan helps with reflecting muscle definition. Okay. If uh, someone doesn't fake tan, then they look just, like, pretty average. But even if, like, the person doesn't necessarily work out extensively, there can still be, like, a form of definition. You see, that's using it as a tool, isn't it? So again, I think, you know, it's a tool to enhance what you have. But it's similar to what you were saying about the cat's point. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's, a similar, it's similar in that respect that it's, you know, the, the character in the world that you're creating. But I don't know. I just think, especially, it was it's mainly when I was a child and I just had it... <laughs> literally shoveled onto my face and i was but like it i personally don't think it is that essential like you say unless it's something for like what we were talking about cats or you're trying to do like an absurdist thing convey something that isn't necessarily human then i think it can go without personally i didn't think about this but i've just thought of it now there was a module at university where it was specified that we were to come into uni with no makeup on for me that wasn't really an issue but for a lot of girls they found it difficult and i remember we were told like oh it's so we're working with a blank canvas if i went to watch a play it wouldn't detract away from my experience if they weren't wearing makeup i don't think mm. there's times when it can be used Again, it's creating a character though, because I just thought about like my singing, because it's based on that sort of jazzy fifties um, look. But she's a character, mm. so I always have like the winged eyeliner and the red lips. But that is, and I'm, and I feel like that's part and parcel of the experience. Um, mm. So it wouldn't be the same if I had a bare face. I don't think. 
So would you say it's your point is more about that you want to reject the unnecessary use of makeup on stage? I think when it's necessary and it can be used really, you know, it can enhance the whole experience. But when it's completely unnecessary, um, yeah, I just there's just no need for it. Is the say no if you were watching a show that was set in a Welsh village, for example. Wales doesn't have the best weather at any time. Like, literally, it could go from pissing down with rain, belting down with snow, and once in a blue moon, we might have some sun for a little bit. So, if you were to see a Welsh farmer in a pub with two of his other mates, and they came in with a full-body tan eyeliner and everything like that, I would be a bit distracted by it. Doesn't that happen in films that, like, some like films or uh, series? Like, sometimes I think, well, this. Hang on a minute. This was set like way, way, way in the past. You know, like the historical dramas. And I'm like, she's wearing mascara. Um, yeah. And all like, you know, they've just like literally just woke up, and they are. Oh, it's a pet hey in films where like the, they just wake up, but they've still got eyeshadow and and i'm like what but it's about like i suppose the aesthetic for the general public but we all know that when you wake up you you have a bare face you don't have makeup on. i have watched loads of tv dramas with my family and my dad is one of the first one to say it's like nobody looks like that when they wake up no one does like you got bags under your eyes like blood shots like uh, just like Ugh. exactly but you 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 see these people in these shows that are just perfect. They're just perfect. Yeah. Like, I don't remember the last time I woke up looking like Audrey Eppin, but... We can pray, can't we? <laughs> I think we are going to reject the idea of stage film makeup when it's not needed. Now, I know a lot of people can make an argument, and that's your opinion, if um, you want to think like that. But for me personally, and I think for you as well, Natalie, over reliance and excess use of stage makeup in any production there's times where makeup can really make or break but when it's unnecessary get rid well natalie thank you so much for coming on to the reject or recall podcast i finally bit on the bullet and it's a pleasure having you on oh thank you for having me it's been wonderful like i said been five years so any excuse to talk to you so still blows my mind that it's been five years i know maybe we'll just do an episode on that things we'd reject or recall from touring life yes oh gosh yeah. So if you'd like to see Natalie on another episode of the Reject or Recall podcast, then leave a like, share it around, give whatever social media likes you to do. But to close us off, Natalie, where can all of our lovely listeners find you on social media? Do you have an actor's page? Do you have a singer's page? Any references or things you would like to plug in this episode? Oh, damn. Um, I'm trying <laughs> to think of all my handles now. I feel like my... I, well, I'm on Twitter... And I do think that my handle is just Natalie Chufo, which is spelled C-I-U-F-O. <laughs> the amount of mispronunciations and misspelling I get is ridiculous. So I'm on Twitter as Natalie Chufo. I'm on Instagram as Natalie underscore Chufo. Um, I'm also on Instagram as NCG Model because um, I do a little bit of modelling as well. And she looks uh, very good doing it. Oh, stop it, you. Um... <laughs> no, so, sorry, the, the tension uh, coming into the room. Sorry, this is after hours. Um, okay, sorry. 
I have to put a disclaimer. From this timestamp, it's going to get a bit of sexual <laughs> tension. Yeah. I'm going to cut the tension. Um, <laughs> and and I, I have a third Instagram. Gosh, I know so many Instagrams for my um, singing persona, which is ain't underscore miss underscore behaving. You can also find a Facebook page for Ain't Misbehaving, which I believe is just at Ain't Misbehaving Singer. And that's for all my uh, jazzy and vintage lovers out there. <laughs> the one where stage makeup is necessary. That's the one where I do think... Because she's she is a character, again. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm myself when I... Yeah, she's like a character that I've developed, so it wouldn't be the same if I just rocked up. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so that's... Uh, I get what you mean. Yeah. So that's on Facebook, and I think... I think that might be it. Well, I tell you what, guys. I will speak with Natalie once this episode is off the air, and I will get all those links put into all of the Reject or Recall podcast social media so that you can give her a follow, stay up to date with all the good work she does, But until next time, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. And you can listen to this on any platform where you get your podcast from. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, all those sort of stuff there. And remember, stay safe during this time in the lockdown. And let us know what some of your pet peeves are in the industry, whether it's from the perspective of a worker or from someone in the audience or a staff member in a venue. But until next time, guys, take care and we will love you and leave you. And now the curtain comes down.